0: You're listening to yet another episode of Classic Movies Live, and today we're going to talk about yet another sequel. We're four episodes in, and we've talked about three sequels. Um, This is pretty fun without, well, for Avatar, we had actually talked about the previous. Anyway, today we're going to talk about Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Uh, Like Avatar, this is a sequel to a movie that is over 10 years old. And um, like Avatar, this came out in December. I think it came out actually the week after Avatar. So we're talking about it. We're probably late to the party, but um, we both just recently watched this movie and we've got quite a bit to say. And what's kind of cool too is this is the first movie in the Shrek franchise that we've talked about on the show. And uh, Pierre knows Shrek and, knows Shrek very well and likes Shrek a lot. Uh, I also would like to say those things about myself, but, you know, the last time that I saw a Shrek movie was several years ago now. Um, there's there's a lot of uh, cool Shrek, a, a lot of cool Shrek lore that comes up here. Anyway, you're gonna hear all about that. This is more or less spoiler-free. I don't think there is actually a spoiler warning in this. Uh, we don't spoil anything too hard, but it is a spoiler light episode. I should probably not say it's spoiler-free. It is light. Keep that in mind. Um, We do both ultimately give this a positive rating, so if you are freaked out by the fact that I didn't say specifically spoiler-free or that I walked that back after I did, uh, please, by all means, we would recommend you go and check out the movie. Um, But if you're not scared away by that, then uh, we'll just get right into it here in a couple of minutes. Well, not a couple of minutes, a couple of seconds... But first, you're gonna hear uh, what I think was a big snub for potential um, best song for the Oscars this year. Uh, This is Fearless Hero from the very beginning of Puss in Boots' The Last Wish. Who's your favourite fearless hero? Who is your favourite fearless hero? Who's brave and ready for trouble? (laughs) Ha-ha! Who is so unbelievably humble? A who rose and dies. Gambles with his life Who's ever been touched by a blade Who's in boots is never afraid Who is your favorite fearless hero? Who is your favorite
1: fearless hero? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Welcome back to another episode of Classic Movies Live, uh, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out, and uh, this is now our fourth episode of season four, and I think this is our
1: yes,
0: third sequel of, of of those four episodes. <laughs> the only time we haven't specifically talked about a sequel is when we did our top of the of the year for last year. So, like, <laughs> sequels came up, but it wasn't, like, all devoted to just sequels. This is our third sequel now
1: well this is i was gonna say this is like the sequel decade but i don't know why that would make sense this is the 2020s so everything's everything's in the, we're do, always doing the second movie it's not the first
0: yeah and well this is and this is this is 2023 we had 2020 then we had 2020 the gritty reboot then we had mm. 2020 part two and now we got yeah. 2020 it's kind of
1: it's kind of crazy that this this movie uh well we're talking about puss in boots but this movie is also uh a movie that came out like 10 years after its predecessor if that makes sense so in some ways very comparable to avatar i would say
0: i i remember that coming up like every every week since avatar 2 has come out there's been at least one headline that's like could this be the movie that uh that knocks out avatar or something like that and it's like yeah i guess but avatar 2 is already one of the highest grossing movies of all time so like sure if something does better in that week than avatar I mean, yeah people want to see yeah. a new movie but avatar is <laughs> going to be there for like probably a year anyway
1: can you really knock out something that's already won like it's like <laughs> it's like it's like knocking someone out after the bell is rung it's like okay <laughs> like i guess oh
0: but what was I saying? It was uh, I. As someone said, "Imagine taking ten years, taking twelve years to make your movie, just to be beaten by Puss and Boots." And I'm like, "Well, Puss and Boots also took ten years, so you know, yeah, they're they're very similar in that regard."
1: I, I feel like Avatar Two has brought in the the ten year sequel fat. are gonna see a lot of sequels to movies that are ten years old. Like looking at a I mean, we're gonna get a we're gonna get a a hat. no monsters versus aliens sequel that would be crazy so i was on the DreamWorks series that... so that's the only movie i could come up with i'm really surprised that movie never had a sequel though because honestly it felt like the type of franchise that that felt right for a sequel even if the movie wasn't like amazing
0: if i'm not mistaken that, that was sort point. of during a weird time for dreamworks like if you look at their movies that came out around that time
1: Oh, yeah, it didn't make that much money. Um, oh, I, okay, I, actually,
0: never mind because like they had Madagascar and then oh no, these are their franchises. Never mind.
1: Mm, well, I want to, that was kind of the when when How to Train Your Dragon came out, I was kind of want to see that was that was during their like hot period almost. Oh, yeah, all right, Monsters were sick. because they had Kung Fu Panda, it was sandwiched between Mo- Kung Fu Panda and How to Train Your Dragon, which a lot of people would say is like at least the top three, two of the best three DreamWorks uh, franchises, I guess. Yeah. So it came out at a great time for DreamWorks. It just wasn't a great movie, so. Unfortunate. Mm -hmm. But we are not here to talk about those lame franchises. We're here to talk about another DreamWorks franchise. Uh, So,
0: like, is Puss in Boots just part of the Shrek franchise or does it count as a sub-franchise now? It looks
1: like it's part of the same franchise. Because, like,
0: it's now had two movies with The Last Wish out and six seasons of a TV show, which is probably in terms of time, just actually more than Shrek at this point.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I guess. I don't know. I I feel like I want to say if Puss in Boots was less successful, they would have just they would have branded it as not a shrek franchise uh, as spinoff but because it's successful and there hasn't been a shrek movie in so long i feel like they just want to package it in there so that it looks like the shrek franchise is still continuing i guess after all this time Mm -hmm.
0: well i think like i know that at least a few years ago there was not even a few years ago. For the past couple of years, every every summer, there's at least, like, some rumblings mm-hmm. that Shrek is going to continue with Shrek 5. I think, mm-hmm. I think two years ago, like, um, there was a rumor that Shrek 5 was going to be done by Illumination, which I don't think is what correct the? anymore. But, like, that would have been bad. I don't want to see that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I also don't really trust DreamWorks with Shrek that much anymore, so... But if I had Fair. to pick a studio, obviously, I would want to pick DreamWorks.
0: Yeah, I, I think.
1: think uh, I think the Shrek I mean, franchise, I, I think it uh, it still has a lot of potential. I mean,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't really feel like there was necessarily like an overarching storyline. It was just kind of Shrek going through stages of his life. So, like, I think you could make a lot of Shrek movies and like wouldn't necessarily wear out the franchise, if that makes sense.
0: I'm just kind of thinking of like Kevin Smith's approach to clerks, because in in the 90s, he made clerks, which was about, you know, where he was as a 20 something. Then in the early 2000s, he made clerks two, which was where he was in his 30s. And then just last year, he made clerks three, which is essentially about where he is in his late 40s. And like Mm. the Shrek movies aren't totally different from that. Because you've, you've got Shrek 1, which is where Shrek is in his, you know, late 20s. And then you've got Shrek 2, where he meets the parents. That's the very next year. But then in Shrek 4, it's like Shrek is a dad. It's the next stage of his life. Now it's time for, you know, what's Shrek doing when he's 50 and has to send all his kids <laughs> to school?
1: Well, I guess we had Shrek. Shrek 4 was like Shrek's midlife crisis, I guess, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess Shrek 5, Shrek 5 should either be um, Shrek retiring and like finding stuff to do with his life <laughs> or I don't know what comes between midlife crisis and retirement.
0: Um, uh, death usually.
1: Shrek. <laughs> before before retirement.
0: <laughs> you don't retire in this economy.
1: Oh, I see. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. Shrek, Shrek 5 is Shrek dying then. It's going to be the Logan of the Shrek franchise. <laughs> Which would be quite interesting. Actually, I wouldn't even. I think that'd be interesting. Yeah.
0: If it, who's the guy that directed? Can we get James Mangold's Shrek?
1: Yeah, right. I think <laughs> I, I, think they could actually play well with it. I feel like, like everyone would be like, "Oh my god, you're like the Shrek. You're <laughs> Shrek the Third or whatever." And Shrek could be like, "Yeah, yeah, okay." You know, like he'd be like meta, like he'd be like against the meta. A commentary or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah. it's
0: weird because like the first Shrek was already like a meta commentary on Disney, and mm. like it sort of grew into its own beast to where Shrek Five could actually be a meta commentary on Shrek, even, which would be awesome.
1: Yeah, I guess right.
0: Uh, in the meantime, we've got this. We've got this other series that sort of grew out of it. Uh, Puss in Boots. Um, now I remember, like Puss in Boots was obviously the breakout character of Shrek Two, but I definitely would never have thought. You know, I guess I guess I would have like I, I would have expected Puss in Boots to come back in potential sequels. I never would have thought that Puss in Boots would end up like kind of almost its own franchise.
1: Yeah, like Shrek. Uh, Puss in Boots is the last remnant of the Shrek. It's been carrying the Shrek franchise on its soldiers' so- shoulders for the past what ten? I think Shrek Four. I think Shrek Four came out the same year as Puss in Boots, actually. Right? 2011? Did it actually? I think both uh,
0: no, Shrek Forever After came out in 2010.
1: Oh wow! Okay. Um, but yeah, so uh, like Puss in Boots has literally been solo carrying that for the past 12 years. Then um or i guess 13 years now because uh shrek is nowhere to be found and uh he had a he had the first movie which i remember really liking when i was younger i can't i honestly can't really remember much of it but i I remember being very emotional um and we had the apparently there was a puss in boots tv show for for three years it ran for three years and had six seasons and i completely missed
0: that and like crazy to me I haven't seen that much of it, but the stuff I have seen of it was pretty good. And Mm. I know my dad loved it at the time.
1: (laughs) Which that's that's so interesting. My
0: my dad has like very random tastes. He'll just love he'll he'll like get extremely into a cartoon for like a year and then he'll move on to whatever's next on Netflix, which is like a Swedish crime drama or something.
1: (laughs) Swedish crime. I don't know that, that I, my dad also showed me this this, this Swedish crime show. That's so weird. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, it's, it's good to know Puss in Boots is is still available for all, all ages and all types of people. Um, yeah. And then I guess now we have, uh, Puss in Boots 2, the last Puss in Boots, the last wish. Um... Which to me, it's it, it feels like uh, it's trying to it feels very experimental' It's trying to see what it can do with the Shrek universe, honestly, because mm-hmm. um, we have a huge change in animation. I feel like the the main a lot of the a lot of like the the Shrek world building is kind of there, but I feel like the way it's presented is a lot different in this movie it's very tonally different in a lot of ways. Um mm-hmm. and yeah, I don't know, it's it's kind of it's an interesting movie to watch.
0: Um just before we talk about the uh the movie itself, what did you think of the animation? Cuz that was I remember when I first saw the first trailer for this, that was what made me think, you know what? I'm going to go watch this Puss in Boots movie cuz that looks really cool.
1: I I'm not going to lie I didn't I didn't love it that much honestly I feel I I feel like it's it's just kind of a blatant uh style rip from Spider-Verse if that makes sense I mean obviously I feel like there're probably some changes um,
0: Well and for what it's worth, the original the, the person who directed this was not involved with Spider Verse, but he mm. took over from the original planned director, which was Bob Persichetti, who was one of the directors of yes. Spider Verse.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I don't. It, it just it. I I wish they. I don't know how to say. I wish they played more with the original. Because honestly, I I really I actually really like. I think the, the, the animation for Shrek was actually very unique, and I thought quite, it, it, I think it added a lot to the world of Shrek, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this, I don't want to say it, because obviously a lot of the, the, the designs are the same, right? Like the, the main models feel very similar to Shrek, it's just the way they move is completely different. And the way it's stylized is completely different and honestly that really took me out of it um i think it fits the tone of movie they were going for here but i just wish they kind of made their own thing if that makes sense whereas this just felt like it was hopping on a trend and um it i, I thought it used it very well there's there's some scenes that are very style, like very very well done stylistically um in some sequences. And I thought, I love that part. Like I thought it was very, it was very creative in how it used the animation, which I liked. Um, I just kind of wish it, it created its own thing. Cause yeah, surprisingly, I think a lot of what I loved about Shrek was that it had some very, it was like very cheap looking, but like charming animation, I would say from before.
0: I think, like, I think that really added
1: the- to it to me, for me
0: the the first shrek movie <clears throat> especially like the animation isn't ugly but a lot of the character designs are specifically ugly so like it gives it really uh it gives it this very unique irreverent tone that sort of carried through the rest of the franchise and like i think um Puss in Boots takes, it it takes elements of like the tone of those movies, but one of those elements is definitely not the inherent ugliness of most of the designs. Like there's an ugly character in this, but it's like one, it's not like everyone's designed to be ugly.
1: Yeah. I'd I'd say everything's much more polished and smooth and, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's there's very little of I don't even know how to describe it. It's weird. I've I've never put much thought into the animation of Shrek, but I just I really missed it. If I'm gonna be honest, and uh, I think it took away from the world. But again, I think I think it was well done, and I applaud them. I just wish I don't know. I wish it was it, it dilutes the Shrek franchise for me, as weird as that sounds.
0: I I really liked the animation, but I think where I would what I would say is I'm also kind of glad this isn't the animation of a, of a Shrek movie featuring Shrek like that. This kind of makes it, this kind of makes it feel like it's something different. And mm. I kind of like that where, you know, Puss in Boots kind of has its own identity separate from Shrek where like, mm. you know, if Shrek five comes out and it's the same kind of animation as this, well, I did like this animation, but I don't think it would fit for that kind of a movie.
1: Yeah yeah this like yeah this this type of movie um it kind of works um because i think tonally this is a very this tonally is extremely different from the shrek franchise and i think from mm-hmm. the first puss in boots too because from what i remember the first puss in boots was um <clears throat> much more tonally similar to something like shrek 3 um, i mean it had the same director but i shouldn't say just the shrek franchise in general but yeah this is this is a, a lot different of a movie so I almost kind of wish this. They, at the start of this movie, they say it's like a fairy tale. This is a this is a fairy tale, and I thought the reason, every, like, uh, the movie was so different from the Shrek universe in some ways was because it wasn't like it was like fiction inside the Shrek universe. It was like the legend of Puss in Boots. But yeah, it, it wasn't that. So,
0: what was it, Pierre? Do you want to tell us what this movie was about?
1: <clears throat> sure, Puss in Boots: The Last Wish is a uh, Puss in Boots has died eight times. And as we all know, cats have nine lives. So Puss in Boots is, uh, very scared of losing his last life. So he, he find he goes on a quest to dis, to discover the, this, a fallen star. And that, that would give him, uh, a wish. And that obviously that wish would be to get his nine lives back and uh he is joined by some lovable companions uh one of them being kitty kitty softpaws who apparently was in the first movie and i don't really remember the first movie that well but yeah. makes sense i thought that was kind of cool and um and while he is also trying to make sure other people don't get the map uh including goldilocks <laughs> goldilocks and the three bears and john Hor- Jack
0: Horner. Jack Horner.
1: Jack Horner. I've never heard of Jack Horner. I thought, I I don't know. Is, is he's a fairy? T- so he's a fairy tale like character, right?
0: Uh, he's an old English nursery rhyme character.
1: Okay. Yeah, I I never heard of him, so it was very. I thought he was a great character. I just I was very confused as to, like, am I supposed to know this guy? Is he famous? Or... But yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so yeah, that's that's basically the plot. It's a it's a pretty straightforward plot, honestly. mm Hmm. Uh, Very reminiscent of (laughs) Pirates of the Caribbean 4. I don't know why that that (laughs) popped into my head. but And I'm sure there's many other movies that it could be compared to. But yeah, that was basically uh, (laughs) what I took from the movie. Mm -hmm. A blatant ripoff of Pirates 4, which is a very original movie. And I can't believe they would (laughs) ever do that to the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise.
0: Pirates 4 wasn't the one with Javier Javier Bardem. Was it? No, it was no that was wonderful. five.
1: Um, ah, what's his name? He was all. I think he was also. It was with Penelope Cruz and Blackbeard. I can't remember who played Blackbeard. I can't remember his name. He's very famous, though. Like,
0: no, that that narrows it down. So, yeah, I know.
1: I knew I could help you out.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess in terms of story, like, there's not really. That much, there's there's not necessarily that much original in Puss and Boots, but I thought that it uh, it did it pretty well. Um, it was like it it kind of felt like a it kind of felt like a nice little D and in- D adventure because as soon as they get the map, they have to go into this dark forest that no one's ever been in, and then whoever touches the map last is determines like what the next piece of the what the next destination <clears throat> along the path is, yeah, which was which was kind of interesting because all of them were like specifically commenting on pieces of their character. So sometimes there'd be little tiny Easter eggs in the map that, you know, didn't actually come up in the in the movie, but were kind of neat to see.
1: Yeah, the uh and I'd classify this movie as a movie that I admire a lot because I think it has some very creative elements in it. Um but overall I'd say the movie is uh very very generic and and straightforward um I would say it's a bad movie but it's it's definitely like not as um not as as ambitious I guess as I hoped it would be because I heard this like uh a lot of people I kept saying hearing this movie was amazing and um <clears throat> I think I think it part of the problem is it just it it sets itself in the Fr- the shrek universe and i think even though it has those elements it i'm not talking about the animation this time, i'm just talking about it in general it's it's much more kidified if that makes sense um especially the first the first third of the movie before the second act where puss in boots is just he's uh he's scared of dying so he's just kind of sitting at home or he he what he goes to like a cat shelter and mm-hmm. he he just gets really lazy um and depressed and i thought that was that first part of the movie was really really boring to me um they there was no like shrek like humor um it was very like generic humor in my opinion that i didn't really like i i I didn't really laugh at all in in those parts i didn't find it very interesting um that whole sequence and uh, yeah
0: i yeah
1: it kind of gets better throughout the movie but i i still like it it just felt like there was something missing.
0: <clears throat> I feel like that early... Um, I, I get what the point of that early segment is where he goes to the cat shelter. But like... Uh, the first time I watched it, I honestly hardly remember it at all. And then the second time I watched it, I rewatched this just yesterday. And... Um, I mean... I, as soon as that came about, I'm like, "All right, now I know the cool stuff is coming in about 20 minutes, so let's move through this." It doesn't really make much of an impact. It introduces Goldilocks, which I guess is nice because she needs to be mm-hmm. introduced eventually. But like, there's um, I don't think there's that much. I don't get that much out of that uh, out of that cat shelter part.
1: No, it's, it was just really boring, and I think the mm-hmm. dog the dog character is the exact type of character that shrek would absolutely despise (laughs) like i feel like the entirety of the shrek franchise has built itself on hating that type of character because i feel like donkey donkey is literally just a spoof of the ultra positive animal sidekick from any Mm -hmm. any disney movie right and the dog was literally that um i love the dog in some ways i thought it was like a a really fun i I love like the theme of it whereas he's just a very positive person. Um, and he seems to just bring like a lot of joy and he tries to see the joy in everybody, but it was a very generic character like that. That troop's been done so many times and there wasn't really anything unique with this, with it this time.
0: And, I liked uh, the, uh, I, I liked his like implied kind of horrific backstory. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, you know, I, I had a hard time liking the dog cause like, I didn't dislike him. There's a lot to like about him, and I liked how sincerely positive he was. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the other hand, he also spends a lot of the first half of the movie over-explaining every joke, which is really annoying. And that's my least favorite thing about that kind of character trope, Mm -hmm. when it's not just a cute animal that can't talk, but is instead (laughs) an animal that can talk.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the... uh... I don't know like the whole joke of like ooh like he's a he's a dog pretending to be a cat like I felt like that got old really quickly I feel like they made numerous references to that um and also the whole like I don't know he's supposed to be like the annoying animal sidekick but I feel like he's not annoying enough in a funny way to like make up for it it's just kind of boring like oh, he's he's positive and he likes to talk wow
0: like the scene where Kitty Softpaws and Puss in Boots are like making eyes at each other almost competitively, like mm. I thought that scene worked really well. And then there's Perito in the in the background explaining what they're doing, and I'm like, I get it, I can see yeah, what's happening. Like, actually, oh my
1: god, that's cuter! Wow, like it, it felt very that felt like a very kids kids joke. Um, very. I don't know. I feel bad. This felt I felt like an elimination. Illumination joke. If that makes sense. He felt like an illumination character actually. Um yeah, it's just it's just a very lazy character. And again, I love I love parts of it. I just think there needed to be more to balance that character out. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I don't I actually feel like I, I thought Puss and I thought Kitty or I used I really love Puss in Boots. I thought mm-hmm. he was relatively weak in this movie too. Um they took a lot of A way of what i love about his character right like i thought they 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 took his um they keep his like bravado and his confidence and stuff um even though that that goes through a lot of the whole point of this movie is that he becomes a lot less confident in himself (laughs) which kind of in some ways kind of makes me not love the character as
0: um I would but, say, like, I mean, <clears> technically, <throat> the point of the movie is that he becomes a lot less arrogant. I don't know if I would necessarily oh, okay. say confident.
1: Yeah, I guess. Yeah. The, he learns how to be confident in a in a more healthy way, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I, he, he they also they're also missing a lot of what I think made his character really unique was that like um, he's an oddly sexual character. <laughs> like <laughs> he's very he's kind of flirty in the Shrek movies. Um, he does a lot of like gross cat things, which I always thought was funny too. I might be Mr. I'm mostly just thinking of Shrek 2. I can't remember Shrek three and four that well. Um, but yeah, and, and, uh, there was a lot, there was a lot more, I guess, satirical elements. And it, to me, it boots in this just felt like a, another, a, more of a generic protagonist who's confident, who's confident and arrogant at the start. And then he learns how to be humble. And you're missing a lot of the elements of what actually makes him the Puss in Boots of the Shrek franchise, if that makes sense, which mm. was a unique, a much more unique character. Like there was no, I don't know, like, remember, I, I remember when, uh, when he's first introduced, cause the whole point is that like, it's really, it's really stupid to have, it, it doesn't make any sense to have a cat be an assassin. Yeah. Um, because like the first scene he's shown as being a badass but the like, scene is actually just him crawling around Shrek, scratching him. <laughs> like he doesn't, I don't even think he uses a sword in that first scene. Um, when he fights Shrek. I
0: don't <clears throat>
1: he fights I like a cat. Like, yeah. And then he, and then he has to give up. He has to surrender because he catches a hairball, which is like a gross cat thing that like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it like it, it, it shows how ridiculous the concept is. And none of that, none of that, none of those elements were present at all in the in this movie
0: no he's definitely a more (laughs) a more serious character and uh i would say um it's 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 really cool talking to you about this because you have shrek a lot more fresh in your mind because i don't even remember the last time that i saw a shrek movie it was probably four or five years ago i've seen Um, shrek
1: shrek and shrek 2 like so many times i don't i can't even remember why I, i just love them i guess but yeah
0: I mean, they're good movies.
1: Yeah. But, like,
0: um, because I I really liked Puss in Boots in this movie, but as you're bringing up the Shrek stuff, it's like, yeah, he actually is. He's a good character for this movie if this movie is a standalone, but he's not necessarily. He's he's not the same Puss in Boots from Shrek 2. And I guess you can easily make the argument that he's grown as a character since then because he's got, like, you know, two or three movies between then. But Mm -hmm. also. Um, like this, that's the point of this movie is character growth after the Shrek movies. So, like,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, he, if, if he's lost the gross cat things, well, that's a pretty important part.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, which is unfortunate. Again, I, I like, I like the movie. I like the character. Like, I thought, I thought they did it well. It was just not, it was just a lot different, I guess. And I think that, that was like jarring. Um, the, the elements I did really like, I, I love the concept of Goldie. I thought it was a little cliche. Um, but I still really like the idea of Goldie bear gold, Goldilocks and the three bears being a team and a family. That's mm-hmm. never something I, I ever would have thought of, but like, I thought it was executed really, really well. Um, and I think, I think they balanced out the, the wholesome aspect more, if that makes sense. It felt more, um, in tune with the universe i guess
0: i think uh i, I really <laughs> liked jiminy cricket in this who is technically never named i think in the <laughs> on the imdb cast list he's listed as clever bug um
1: yeah can they legally not is is jiminy cricket like a disney original character i think jiminy I, cricket I guess not is so Sorry,
0: the cricket is <laughs> a character from pinocchio mm-hmm. the name jiminy cricket is disney like Disney should Disney owns that name I'm What's pretty sure What's he
1: named in Del Toro's movie is he just In a Del ticket? Toro's
0: he's Sebastian Cricket.
1: Oh, okay. I think he might be Sebastian
0: J Cricket, so there's a J if you want to call him Jiminy Cricket. Yeah. But like um I think in the original story he's just the cricket.
1: Cuz oh, I know crazy. like in the <laughs> in
0: the last Pinocchio movie I watched before well the last Pinocchio movie I watched before the Disney remake I guess. Uh, he was, he was just Grillo, which is Italian for cricket. And he's just, mm. and that movie is, uh, very <laughs> wild. So he's just like, a he's just a little person in green alien makeup, which is very mm-hmm. funny.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but anyway, yeah, I think that, uh, I like Jiminy Cricket in this. And I think that he has the, um, I think, I think he kind of represents the approach to fairy tale characters um, closest to how they did them in Trek, where they would bring up this fairy tale character who's known for, you know, one thing and they'll super emphasize that one thing and make a bunch of jokes on it. Yeah. So like Jiminy Cricket is also this hyper positive guy <laughs> whose whole purpose is to make this is to, you know, help improve the life the life of whoever it is that he's, uh he, whoever it is he's hanging out with, and he got someone who is just unabashedly evil. So he's constantly like commenting on what Jack Horner is doing, and it's really funny. Like Jack Horner pulls out a phoenix out of his bag, and the cricket goes, Oh, the mighty Phoenix, majestic, and then he just starts using him as a flamethrower.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like in a really like he was like squeezing the hell out of it <laughs> and choking it and stuff. That was actually, I I thought, actually, really, I think Jack Horner was actually really well done, too. Um, I don't know much about him, so I can't commentate on, like, the satirical elements, but I love the, I kind of wish they saved him for a different movie, if that makes sense, because I thought he was, like, a very cool evil villain that um, he didn't really get much to do because he was just kind of supposed to be an obstacle to Puss in Boots, and I feel like Mm -hmm. he didn't really have any true motivation in this movie. But I love the concept and I think it would have been really cool to save for like, like a Shrek five, if that makes sense. Like, uh, cause he was a vile. He, I was, I think that one of the, the problems is that like the movie is so friendly and childlike, but then this, the Jack Horner character is actually like a psychopath. Like he, he murders all, I think he just straight up kills everyone that works for him accidentally with no remorse. Uh-
0: at least most of, I think one person might survive by the end, but like he straight up explodes three or four of them. And there's a couple of people that like are, are people who work for him and we see them turn into bones. Like yeah, they're literally for this movie. They're like pretty gruesome deaths too.
1: Yeah, it it was like very, very vile. And I get that. I, I, I like that. I, I I think it felt a little out of place in this movie, um, but I still like. I still really like the character. I thought he was done very well by John Mulaney, um, who. Uh, part of me was like, oh yeah, I feel like they hired him because he was Peter, Peter Porker, in Spider Verse. But then this was a very. This turned out to be a very different character <laughs> than Peter yeah, Porker. Yeah, Peter
0: Porker was not nearly that evil.
1: Yeah, so. Um, yeah, I think he was he seemed like he was supposed to be kind of the main villain, but then his his spotlight is taken completely away by uh the death the death character, I guess, who seemed like the more main even though he wasn't very intricate to the plot. I think like the climax is basically Puss in Boots fight with Death.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then Jack Horner just feels like kind of like an epilogue villain that they fight at the end. Yeah, Um, which just felt like kind of a waste of time in my opinion. Like, I wasn't really interested in that fight.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely, I think I pretty much agree. Like, I liked both of those, I liked both of those performances and I liked both of those villains. I think that Death, I think this movie, maybe this movie should have been, like, them competing with Goldilocks and the Three Bears to get that wish while Death is the villain for Puss in Boots only, basically. But because, like, Jack Horner is a really, really good villain who has to compete with two other villains. Kind of, Goldilocks mm-hmm. isn't really a villain; she's more of a rival team. But like, yeah. she gets a lot more. Well, for one thing, Goldilocks is played by Florence Pugh, and and the Bears are Ray Winstone, Samson Kayo, and Olivia Coleman. So like. Mm. They cost more, so they get a lot more... So, like, the studio <laughs> wants to get a lot more of their money's worth out of them.
1: Yeah, I was really surprised they got... I, I did not... I mean, I guess it's cool that Florence Pugh was her. I did not think they needed to... I'm guessing she's very expensive right now. I did not... I don't think she really added anything to the voice. I think it could have been anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would have been happy with it. Because, yeah, I was like, oh, it's Florence Pugh. That's kind of cool. But I wouldn't say she was... I think John Mulaney voice worked really well for uh what's his name? I can't remember I forgot it's Jack Horner. Jack Horner. Um and I thought the Bears were pretty good too. I, I didn't think Florence Pugh had to be Goldilocks. But yeah.
0: Yeah, she was good as Goldilocks, <clears throat> but it didn't have to yeah, be. She was her. great.
1: Yeah, no. I yeah, there was nothing memorable about her voice. Um, but yeah, I, I guess the whole the whole point of Jack Horner was just they needed a a true evil villain to compete with the other two um mm-hmm. and uh, I guess I'm just happy because I thought I thought the whole playing the playoff with him and the payoff with him and Jiminy Cricket was definitely worth it in a lot of ways I kind of mm-hmm. wish they just had more moments together I'd watch a whole movie I'd watch a whole movie about <laughs> Jim- Jiminy Cricket just just like standing there like being like what So petrified as as to what Jack Horner is doing in front of his eyes and he just kind of watches and tries to make him a better person
0: Jiminy Cricket in this movie was like the ideal uh, funny animal sidekick because like he's doing everything I hate about funny animal sidekicks which is commenting on things like commenting on everything and like always having to get his two cents in but he's paired up with such a comically evil villain that like Mm -hmm. all he can do is just be constantly horrified
1: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so I, I just i really wish they say that because that that felt like a, a very that was a very strep joke and i wish they saved that because i could have watched like if he was the main villain with jiminy cricket i could have watched the whole movie about that you know
0: like, they kind really of funny. like the two of them had a not had had like a pretty similar chemistry to uh lord Farquaad and the gingerbread man
1: kind of yeah oh <laughs> uh, yeah um, but yeah, they were like, and I loved the, his tool of, I loved, I love I the whole joke with him pulling about pulling out Excalibur, but it still has the rock. <laughs> it was actually really funny too. I thought that was really mm-hmm. clever. Um, but yeah, there, he was really cool. Goldilocks was cool. I love, I love the, what, what did you think of like the, the map, the map set piece? I guess the map was more of a, almost a plot device slash set piece. Um,
0: so, i really liked it um yeah i i really liked the map because i thought it was very cool i thought that it was cool that all of the different locations um you know were specific to one person and i think that the way that the map worked was a really interesting way to do that where we got to see where like you know the um the the abyss of forgetting or whatever, which is not one that we actually get to, but it's one that's on the map. It's like, that's only for Puss in Boots or that's only for Kitty Softpaws. I can't remember which one, but like if someone else touches the map, they just don't have to go there. So like everyone experiences the same place, even though, you know, everything is specific to one person. I thought it was a pretty, I thought it was a clever way to do that. Where like, you know, they ended up taking, um, they ended up letting Perito basically hold the map, even though nobody trusted him and they didn't like him very much because he had the easiest like personal struggles to get through.
1: Yeah, I uh, I, I thought it was a cool, and I I think they really that's that's one of the things I really liked is that they really stretched that. I think they took that um, plot device and they stretched it to its max with the whole. Um. Like first with the Pareto thing, and then it, it switches up. Cause then Goldilocks grabs the map and then everything changes completely. And then it kind of like, there was that one scene where like, I think two people are holding it and then, so everything's in like a state of like anti-gravity and in flux, and it's like the map's not sure the environment's not sure which way to transform. And then you get a cool set piece of like Puss in boots and kitty fighting in gra like zero gravity or something like that. Um
0: and like yeah, the was, way that that really worked cool. they also they also got like it also ended up being important in fights which was kind of cool because there's mm-hmm. one like huge fight between everybody that ends because the wrong person grabs the map and then suddenly they can't fight on that landscape anymore
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah that, uh, that, that's that's one thing i really i really loved about this um i thought that the death the character was really cool, too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I don't know who he was voiced by. The voice was pretty solid.
0: Walter Moura. Yeah. I'm not sure if... Or, Wagner Moura.
1: Yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, I've never heard of him.
0: He is a primarily... He's primarily a Brazilian actor, it looks like. Nice. He's been in some American movies and shows, but, like... He's not. He's not a big star in the English speaking world. It looks like. Mm. Oh, he was um, in the Gray Man.
1: Oh. Oh well. <laughs> um, yeah. The I when I was talking earlier about like great some great animation sequences, I thought a lot of the sequences with uh, with death, specifically in like the map world, were were really interesting to watch. Um, like the way they focus on his eyes and stuff, I thought they were very gruesome, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could I could understand why why Puss in Boots was so scared of him. If that
0: makes sense. Well, he was, is, he was a
1: very well done villain too.
0: And um, yeah, that's why I kind of wish that like he I, death wasn't not important to the plot. He was kind of the whole reason that Puss in Boots is doing anything that he's doing in this movie, anyway. But mm-hmm. like, I kind of wish this had been a movie way more focused <laughs> around him as the main villain. Because he is, you could definitely make the argument that he's the main villain of this movie, but he feels like a side character because he's really only Puss in Boots personal villain. Like, mm-hmm. if this was a TV show, the the big villain that they're constantly fighting would be Jack Horner, but Death would be like the main villain of the season, I feel like. Except this isn't a TV show, so that doesn't really matter. That's not how this movie story device works. Yeah.
1: Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> um. Um,
0: but I think the the first scene with Death is probably my favorite, like the one where he meets him in the bar, because I think it's I think it's a really really good character moment for for Puss, especially mm. since uh, I didn't realize this the first I didn't like make note of this the first time that uh, that I watched this movie, but yesterday when I was rewatching this, um, I. In the first scene, Puss says so many times that he's never been touched with a blade. He says it probably like five or six times in the first five, in the first 10 minutes. And then the very first thing that happens when he meets death is he gets touched by a blade and bleeds once. And he's like, Oh, that's curious.
1: Yeah. Don't like that. I thought the the fur raising on him was really cool. I think that's mm-hmm. that's just that's a really cool way of showing fear in in a way that only cats you can only do with a cat basically. Yeah. So I thought that was like uh, a really good visual storytelling, I guess. Um and yeah, that that whole I love the the contrast cuz I hated the first fight. I thought the first fight was way too cartoony and like uh it was just ridiculously like over over um how do I say? It? Like he takes down a, a giant bigger than a town really easily, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just—it it was just so cartoonish and crazy. And then to take it from that to a scene where it's just like him and another guy in like a dark bar, and it just like it, in two minutes, like he gets the the shit kicked out of him. Like I thought that was like a really—I I hated that first scene, but I think it worked so well in contrast with just how how terrifying the, the character. Terrified the mm-hmm. character was in that situation, so... Um, yeah and I think I, that's I,
0: actually... Oh, go ahead.
1: No, no, you, you go, go first. Ahead. I was going to switch points. Okay.
0: Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> I think that that's where the animation actually really works for me, because the animation... um The main flashy thing that really gets, like, shown mo- in trailers and, like, that people rave about is the Spider-Verse-style a- animation. But that, like... That's only really heavily used in the big action set pieces and like when the when what they're doing is supposed to be larger than life because yeah. in that bar scene where it's like just him and death technically it's still the same animation engine but it looks a lot closer to that realistic style that Trek has it's not the same it's still a mm-hmm. different style but it's a lot closer to that and that's why you can still get that like the hair raising that wouldn't mm. work in that super stylized in that super stylized style. But it does when you've got those smaller moments where they're sort of shifting the focus of the animation a bit. And I think yeah. that's what I really like about this animation is that like, it blends those two styles almost seamlessly. I notice yeah. it cause I'm looking for it, but like, yeah. it's not <laughs> jarring.
1: Yeah. Also, I feel like, um, I feel like that style works a lot better in, or it can work a lot better in those really, I don't want to say it, like those really non fantastical fights, if that makes sense. Um, it reminds me a lot of the uh, that scene where um, I think it was Miles. Miles fights the ah, who is it in Spider Verse where Miles fights his uncle? Uh, oh, uh, the Prowler yeah like that's a, also a very it's a very small fight scene because they're fighting like throughout a house right
0: mm-hmm. but something
1: about the animation and like the frame rate because i i know they play a lot with the with frame rate drops during these fights but it feels so much more brutal when it's just a very personal fight if that makes sense in close quarters mm-hmm. and i, I remember it, it felt very visceral uh in that movie as well in that particular scene and it it felt very visceral in that bar scene too where you don't have all these flashy elements and cool like pieces of the set to play with it was just straight up like like puss getting the shit kicked out of it and i, I mm-hmm. for some reason i saw uh really works in that situation so yeah it was, a, it was a really good uh it was a really good scene and i think i think going that's the thing like that was such a perfect scene sandwiched by two very extended pieces of the movie that are just really boring to me which is that whole first sequence where puss is just lazily fighting everything and winning and then that second the second part of the sandwich which is puss doing nothing in that that cat that cat daycare basically for like Mm -hmm. another 10-15 minutes um yeah which i think just sums up a lot of the movie for me like it's it's a lot of blandness i feel like uh with a lot with a lot of uh creative pieces kind of peaks kind of pointing out throughout the movie that i really Mm. love but yeah
0: yeah um i i don't think i can disagree like i think overall i like more of this movie than i don't like but Mm -hmm. there's it's it's got low points for sure
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i i think it catches its stride the later you go into the movie but um, I wouldn't say this is like a very memorable movie or anything, um, and it's not. It, I mean, the Shrek franchise is a is a hugely prestigious or anything, but it it feels much more of a detour, I guess, uh, than the first uh, Puss in Boots the mm. and and the and other Shrek movies. So uh, I really hope if because they do tease the Shrek five at the end of this, I really hope Shrek five is not stylistically done the same way. I, I
0: don't think it would work. I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. not going to say they won't do it. They might, but I hope yeah. they don't because I yeah. don't think it would work for Shrek.
1: Yeah, well, that's what that's what kind of worries about me about this uh, this animation fad with the Spider Verse. I, I thought I, I was hoping that studios would take away that you don't have to do this generic 3D animation that Pixar basically perfected, right? Mm -hmm. um you can you can find ways to creatively animate your stories in cheaper ways too um that will further like uh that will really i guess enhance your story if that makes sense um but what i feel like i'm noticing is that a lot of studios notice that style and they're like oh that style is very popular and it's cheaper and a lot of people like it and it's, creat- it's creative, it's, it's, it's interesting to look at, and they're just gonna copy that style. Whereas I feel like that style was very much, it worked very well for Spider-Verse because I feel like the animation just helped tell that story, mostly, mm-hmm. right? And um, I think this, I, I, I think it looks beautiful. And I think they use it very well, but it, it still feels like they, they didn't use the animation to enhance the Puss in Boots story. Uh, as much as they could have if that makes sense and made it their own thing
0: i guess what i definitely will say is the three movies that i can think of that use an animation style that's kind of like that at least are um into the spider-verse enter galactic and puss in boots now and with all three of them at the very least it's I mean, it's, it's not entirely like they picked that style at random. I mean, obviously they didn't because, as you just said, there's a pretty good reason to pick a popular style. But like in, in Into the Spider-Verse, that style, the, the reason they picked that style is because it makes it look like a comic book, which really works for it. And it's based on comic book stories, so that makes sense. For Enter Galactic, I don't think it worked but it was kind of inspired. It was supposed to be about a comic book writer. So they picked it for that reason, Mm. which, you know, cool. Cynically (laughs) it's yeah. It it doesn't mean much because it's also a popular style that people like. So like they can say that as I'm I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt because yes, there is potentially another conceivable reason, but like, Mm. it didn't matter that much. And then in this one, like, they did sort of pick that style specifically for the bigger fairy tale set pieces. Well, I mean for everything, but specifically for the bigger fairy tale set pieces, because it's supposed to, you know, look like a storybook. So what I'm, what I'm trying to say is at least in the three examples I can think of, they have plausible deniability and they like, well, Spider-Verse doesn't need plausible deniability, obviously, but the other two, like it's, you know, they have, they have reasons that they can pick that aren't just it was a popular style. But yeah, mm-hmm. I do hope that... Uh, I, I hope we start seeing... I hope that we see a lot of cool styles not just this one for the next 10 years. Like, this is yeah. cool, and I hope it gets used very well in a lot of different places. I just hope it doesn't, you know, become the dominant style.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed.
0: So, uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. What are you going to give this one? If you had to put a, if you had to put a number on it, out of ten, uh,
1: I'd say, who? I'd say like a six point five. I think it's enjoyable. I don't regret watching it. I probably won't watch this again. Um, and yeah, I guess I like the themes though. The themes were nice.
0: I think that uh, I'd have to come back to this in a few years to see how it holds up, because I'm definitely rating it in my head against a lot of other things I've seen this year, and uh, I've seen a lot of movies that tackle the fear of death in mm. like similar themes <laughs> to this movie, but don't necessarily do it as well.
1: <laughs> they literally had Pinocchio and and the cricket and the oh, Cricket yeah. in this too.
0: <laughs> so so like maybe I'm it, it's possible that from seeing it like this recently I'm being kinder to it than maybe I would be in four or five years, but I definitely, uh, I definitely really enjoyed it. I thought it did its themes really well. I thought the animation was used pretty well, even if like there are some weaker moments in the story and the, and the animation in occasionally. Yeah. It's it's definitely not without flaws, but I think for me, it's a solid seven. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's Puss in Boots.
1: That covers it. Do we know what we're doing next?
0: Uh, <laughs> I don't know if we do yet. We got to talk about that off that's air.
1: Fair, yeah. Okay. Sounds good.
0: All right. What's uh, the last Jeff, word?
1: Uh, uh, cricket.